If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. The talent for so many players today, the talent in the spotlight, it's taking them to heights that their character's not strong enough to support. I'm one of those set goals achievements. I talked about faith, passion, obviously the drive the guys that I've been around and the guys that surround me every single day. If I want to be one of the best, I've got to play with and against the best. Okay, so that which gets praised gets repeated. You're listening to The Hardwood Hustle, brought to you by PGC Basketball. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to The Hardwood Hustle. I'm your host, Adam Bradley, alongside TJ Rosine, broadcasting here from the beautiful Hilton Head Island. Today, we've got a fun episode. It's completely different than anything we've ever done before, but I think you're going to enjoy it as a way to kind of get to know TJ and I a little bit better. But before we do, let's uh, catch up with our friends over at Shot Tracker. Hey, what gets measured gets done. So what are you measuring in practice? What are you measuring in games? As you approach you know, the season and the upcoming season, check out our friends at Shot Tracker and see what they're tracking. It might pop up some ideas for you and thinking about what do I need to be tracking as a coach to steal that extra 1% for my team. TJ, in a fun kind of setup here for an episode, we're going to kind of break it into two halves. You're going to take the first half. I'm going to take the, the second half. But as a way for our audience to get to know us a little bit better, uh, we're going to do a little game, a little exercise called Two Truths and a Lie. Mm. And uh, you're going to share a few stories for yourself, two of which will be truthful. One will be a lie. And we would love, if you are listening, to send us a tweet at hardwood underscore hustle. We'll send you a direct message back. Um, you can reach out to TJ or myself on this. We will send you a direct message and let you know which of the three was indeed the lie. Maybe, maybe I don't know. You may not I share may not, it. I you may not, not share it. I might just leave people hanging. You know. Well, that, you may be leaving me hanging because you haven't shared it with me yet. Uh, you'll do the first half. I'll do the second half as a fun little way to get to know your hardwood hustle host, TJ. What you got, man? man? Well, when you do 150 episodes a year, you got to throw an occasional fun one, right? Yeah. So. That's what we're doing right here. So well, I'm excited to learn a little bit more I've about got, you. That's uh, three different stories. Um, two of them are true. Uh, one of them is not true. Can I ask questions on them? Yeah, sure. Okay. So um, all three of them are um, different uh, locations of vacations that have been on where something interesting happened. So um, uh, vacation spots or places that I've lived, uh, one of the three. So. Um, here's the first one. I'm in Orlando, Florida. Uh, I'm playing golf with my uh, dad and my brother. And um, as we're playing, a ball comes up right behind us and almost hits us. Dad gets pissed. Um, turns around, and as they're driving towards us, he tees one up on his driver and smacks it right back at him. <laughs> barely misses. <laughs> barely misses him. Um, tees up another one, hits it back again. Uh, eventually they get up to us and it is the legendary singer Sammy Davis Jr. and his bodyguards and uh, words are exchanged um, things go down but eventually it uh, eventually it subsides but um, yeah we were on the golf course in Orlando when my father takes the tee tees it off backwards in the other direction and just happens to be Sammy Davis Jr. and his bodyguards you remember the golf course uh, you know, I remember the hotel that we were at, uh, the Grand Cypress uh, Hotel, and uh, I remember really big sand traps that you had to get in and out of. I remember the pool more than I do anything with the waterfalls, but yeah, we were playing that course at the hotel. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. That'd be crazy if that's, if that's truthful. That's crazy. Yeah. 
Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah, Sammy one of my be- one of yeah one of my best friends just named his son Sammy Davis. Yeah, that's a legendary story, right? There you go. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, story number two. All right. And if, if you know if true or false, don't give any hint to the listeners. No, if you know the story. Yeah. I don't think I know any of the yeah, stories. So I don't know. Okay. So um, next story is uh, my second year of college. I'm lifeguarding down here at the um, beach. And uh, at nighttime, I picked up pizza delivery uh, route. And um, there was a gentleman who called and delivered a pizza. And I delivered it to him. And uh, it was a really odd address because it was actually at the place where everybody goes to get healthy. And so I was delivering um, spaghetti with meatballs and a pizza. And uh, so I pull up and uh, out and comes in his robe, uh, Chris Farley. And uh, Chris Farley just said, dude, can you run back and turn your light off on your car, your pizza thing? Because I'm going to get in trouble over here. And I said, yeah, no problem. And um, so I went back, turned it off, delivered his pizza. Super nice guy. Great conversations. Yes, we did talk about the um, Bo Derek scene in, in the one particular movie. <laughs> Um, gave me great insight to that. And then um, from there on, he said, I'm going to ask for you for my delivery. And when you see this address pop up, make sure you take your sign off the car. And it's just between you and I. I got it, buddy. I said, I got it. So a couple times over the next two weeks. What, did he hook you over with a big tip? Uh, he, uh, it was a generous tip. It, was, you know, it wasn't, some, wasn't something crazy, but it was better than the average tip. Okay. And, uh, and what's, what's Chris Farley eat on his pizza? So Chris Farley, it was really it was plain, I believe. I was pepperoni. I was spaghetti, sometimes meatball, and occasional like sub maybe okay. it was delivered there. But I believe it was pretty simple, something like pepperoni or something like that. We delivered the pizza, but uh, enjoyed some really good conversations with him. Really down-to-earth guy. Um, and really saddened by uh, when we lost him just because of that, you know, getting to know him. I just thought, wow, this is just a normal old guy. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I don't have much to add on that. I just, I think another celebrity. Yeah. So that's another one. Uh, ready for the third one? I am. All right. So this is probably my third year in coaching. And uh, we were at a clinic in Las Vegas. Nike has a big clinic there. Um, and uh, we went out to the coaches' clinic. Coach, a friend of mine, knew another guy. Long story short, um, we end up at uh, the hotel room of Dennis Rodman, and uh, there is a um, a, uh, a major, massive party going on um, about two hours later, uh, which eventually I had to walk out of because any number of things, if somebody walked <laughs> right. in, you could have been in trouble for. Um, but we did share, I can't say interesting conversation with Dennis Rodman. We shared conversation with Dennis Rodman, um, in his suite. Um, and it was, uh, um, interesting asking him about the bulls and other things like that. And I feel like every time I asked him a question, he gave me an answer that had nothing to do with my question. (laughs) Um, but, uh, for whatever reason, we were in an amazing suite, uh, at the top of a hotel, and uh, we were just uh, blown away at how much that room must have cost for the night, or maybe he was just gambling. Um, what color? And, what color was his hair at that time? Was, his hair was nor- uh, no, it wasn't normal. His hair was more like orange, like okay. like bright orange type, okay. you know, hair. Um, yeah, and we were at the suite in Bellagio. Hmm. Yeah. So. I can't even imagine like Dennis Rodman parties are legendary mm-hmm. packed uh, actually when we arrived at the room it was not packed okay um, and then the steady flow started to come in 
and slowly you started to see things that you shouldn't see and you're like and that's when they like you were like we need to get out we need to get out i just you know it could any one of the photos or somebody coming in i was i just got nervous i got real scared okay yeah because you got yeah. a reputation yeah so can't yeah. jeopardize it interesting i don't know i need to put some thoughts to to these three stories they each shared a celebrity yeah all right so they had that in and they were at a destination one is in uh, hilton head one is in orlando and one is in las vegas and they all share a celebrity so i think it's interesting two out of the three i mean that's pretty cool you got to experience some of those so like if, if you experience sammy davids jr and that played out that's pretty wild if you're delivering pizzas to chris farley that's pretty wild if you are hanging in the suite with Dennis Rodman, like in Vegas during his heyday, yeah. which, which were legendary. Uh, that's pretty wild too. Yeah. So those are those are my two <laughs> truths and a lie. Hopefully, he'll tell me off air on this one. But uh, listen, let us know what you think. All right, let's take a quick halftime break, and then I'll jump into my three. Uh, but catch up with our friends over at Team Snap. Thanks to our friends over at Team Snap for today's communication tip of the episode. This week, coaches, I'd like to challenge you, your staff, and your players to get into the habit of speaking to the ears. Let me explain what I mean. When we are speaking and communicating, our goal is to have a message heard. Where messages are only heard through our ears. So we've got to be speaking intentionally from a direction standpoint to the other person's ears. So if our players sometimes are speaking with their heads down, we need to remind them to speak to my ears. I can't hear you when you're looking down, when you're speaking down. You need to speak to the ears. Oftentimes, especially within our players, they have a tendency to look down when they speak. We always say make eye contact, but even more, speak to my ears because we are trying to communicate a message. I want to hear what you are saying. I can't hear it when you're speaking to my feet or speaking to my knees. I need you to speak to my ears. So this week, that's the challenge, coaches. Thanks to our friends over at TeamSnap. Make sure you check out TeamSnap.com backslash hustle to learn more about the communication app being used by over 15 million people across the globe, helping get parents, coaches, and players all on the same page. All right, TJ, I guess it's my turn, right? So, it's your turn. Listen, there's no rhyme or reason to these stories here, okay? Um, it is, you know, you had the destinations and you had the celebrity themes within yours. Your, mine are just, they're just various random stories, okay? Um, first one, you know, so when I was about uh, 10 or 11 years old, I was down in Ocean City, Maryland, the beach that we always went to as a family, and... I'm out swimming. I'm on my boogie board. Love, love riding on my boogie board, and pretty crazy. Uh, I got the scars to you know here to show for it. And but there was a shark that came up, grabbed a hold of my ankle. Uh, like I said, I was about ten or eleven. Was able to obviously frantically, like not knowing what it was at first, but felt this kind of grasp on and this like immediate pain on my ankle. Look back, and and it was a shark. Not a huge shark, but just a small kind of. I don't even know how you'd measure sharks, you know, especially when you're in the midst of that moment, but maybe like a, a three-foot shark of sorts. Grabbed a hold of my ankle, and at that point, sitting there on the boogie board, I start wailing my left leg frantically, and everyone starts kind of looking. I get a couple of people's attention from the beach, and miraculously was able to kind of flail my leg and break free of the shark. Uh, but for a while there, for about a year or two, like I was like extremely scared to even go back into the water, uh, and I stayed away from oceans for a period of time. Uh, pretty wild, 
in the sense that I don't think many people can say they've been bit been, by a shark. Been, uh, shark, right? Yeah. But I'm, I'm at the end of the day thankful though that the shark just kind of let go of its grip on my leg. And I don't think I was the one that necessarily flailed it off, but it just kind of let go, and I was able to kind of swim away, and it just kind of left me alone and went the other direction, and nothing crazy. Yeah. Or penetrate or the skin at all? Penetrate a little bit. I had went to one of those just kind of like urgent cares on the beach there. Yeah. Got a couple stitches, and you know nothing major, but it obviously could have been a lot worse. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Hmm. That's interesting. Not, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. So, second one, I think it's kind of interesting, also in the sense that uh, kind of ties into the beach in the sense that there's a, a big bridge on the way to Ocean City. It's mm-hmm. called the Chesapeake Bay Bridge. I think it's about four and a half miles long. Certainly one of the scarier bridges uh, in the country. It's actually been ranked like numerous times as one of the scariest bridges to drive in the country. And you may find this hard to believe, TJ, but. I, I can't drive that bridge. I, I don't drive it. But what do you do if you have to go over it? I, I hire. There's a, a service um, called Kent Island Express hmm. that I hire a driver, and, and they drive me across the bridge. So what happens is I'll be in my car. I'll call the number. They will meet me at the beginning of the bridge. I will Then one of their drivers, they hop in the car with me. And they drive my car, and they've got their their car. So they're it's a two man operation. One right. person gets in my car, the other person stays in their car behind, and they drive. And they drive my car over the bridge. When we get over the bridge, I get out, I pay them, and then they usually are just meeting people on that side of the bridge to drive them all back. But it was about five years ago. I was driving one evening out of nowhere. I'm like at the top of the bridge, and this bridge is high, TJ, and it is like very thin and there's no shoulders there's no nothing and i had like a little panic attack on the top of the bridge one one saturday night randomly samantha and i were driving over Hmm. got all shook up like i tightened up i started sweating in the palms and like the second half of the m&m song right sweating palms are sweating arms are heavy like it all played out that way right and the whole week at the at the beach that week all i kept thinking about was I got to drive that bridge home. Mm. Like, this is bad. Yeah, it terrified you the whole week? It was on my mind the entire week. Really? And on the way home, uh, coming back five, six days later, I got to the bridge again and just couldn't do it. And I pulled over like last minute right before the bridge. And at that point, Samantha was with me and I said, Sam, you got to drive. Made her drive. She's like, what? 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 And I made her drive. And then ever since, if I'm taking the bridge by myself, I pay. Uh, It's pretty expensive. How much? Uh, like 30, 35 each way. What? Each way, yeah. Wow. So, Gosh. interesting. Okay. Chesapeake right. Bay Bridge. You, know, you, you can Google it. Third story. Um, I guess similar to the shark story in the sense that there's an accident, right? That I, that I kind of experienced some pain there. But when I was a little kid, just like most little kids, I was riding my bicycle. And I was about, I don't know, seven or eight years old. I'm riding my bicycle around the neighborhood. And I, I, like many kids, used to fly on my bike and just try to go as fast as I could, especially downhill. And, and I'm rolling one day, and something kind of catches my bike, and I fly forward on my bicycle. Once again, about seven or eight years old. And I slide on the pavement. And as I slid on the pavement, I completely jacked my knee up. And uh, because of the little, there were little rocks and little pebbles like on the roadway that I had a bunch of rocks and little pebbles in my knee. Mm. And the doctor, I guess, 
I, I, I'm not quite sure how this happened, but I, when he was cleaning the scar and re- cleaning it up and removing rocks, he, he left a rock, I don't think purposely, but he left a rock in my knee and stitched it up that once it healed, it healed, but there's still a rock in my knee. And even to this day, right there on my right kneecap, there is a visible rock that you can look at, you can see it, uh, you can touch it, you can feel it. It's pretty crazy. Mm. Uh, And it sticks up out of the skin a little bit. In fact, kind of the rest of my elementary school days, it's part of the reason why I always wore baggy shorts and longer shorts because I was actually really self-conscious of it. I didn't like, I thought people would make fun of it. So I like, I'd wear baggy shorts so I could cover my knee slightly. Really? So no one would see it. Right, so I've got I've got the rock in my knee. Really, and why didn't the doctors take it out? You know, I I think they just missed it. I really do. I think they just missed the rock. I think they they took all the other little pebbles out, but they missed one rock and just stitched it up. And my wife's told me many times I should just like, you know, do some localized kind of numbing and just kind of take it out myself. But I'm like, eh, I'm not doing that. I'm just like until it bothers me, and it's never bothered me. Uh, now I'm not self-conscious if people see it. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, I've got a rock in my knee. I'd like to take a shot at it, taking it out tonight if it's really there. <laughs> well, I can show you uh, later. But, listen, those are my three stories, TJ. Mm. All right? So, listen, two truths, one lie. Send us a tweet. You've got TJ's stories. You've got my story. Recognizing that two out of the three of both of ours are true. Right, and you may be thinking, man, if those are true, those are crazy. All right, but as a way to kind of get to know your hardwood hustle hosts a little bit better, we would love to see what you think is our truths and which one is our lie. Send us a tweet at hardwood underscore hustle. You can reach out to TJ directly, or you can reach out to myself directly, and we'll leave it up to each other. I'm going to share if someone reaches out to me. You going to share if someone reaches out to you? Yeah, probably will. So, listen, gotta leave some mystery there. You don't know. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. We appreciate you checking us out. We appreciate you taking time to get to know us and having a little fun with us. As TJ said, when you're recording hundreds of Hardwood Hustle episodes, occasionally got to have a little fun and throw in a random kind of alternate episode. Nothing wrong with a curveball. Absolutely. Listen, I am Adam. He is TJ. Together we are the Hardwood Hustle. Till next time, we're out.